Mindfulness Mode, 516. And when you're traveling, for sure, you have to listen because you, you need to know more about the culture. You need to understand the undercurrent in the new places. Welcome, Mindful Tribe. Bruce Langford here. I'm thinking of you as every one of us on this planet moves through this COVID-19 challenge. In my area here in Canada, grocery stores, pharmacies, drive through food pickups, that's practically all that remains open. People who can work out of their homes are fortunate because few businesses are operating as usual. I'm sure you're practicing social distancing and staying at least six feet away from anyone who doesn't live in your household. And if you're not, I urge you to start. This pandemic is of ultimate seriousness, and I know there are people out there who are still not convinced, but please take this seriously. Practicing mindfulness can help you through this time when social activities and sporting events and conferences are all canceled. Now, I have a question for you. As you're moving through all this, are you having any trouble sleeping? Because maybe you're so worried and stressed about all this. I just want to ask you, how would you like to be able to lie down, relax in bed and drift off to sleep in less than two minutes? And that's what can happen with the guided sleep meditation I have for you. It may take, you know, several tries. It may be the first time, you know, you feel a little more relaxed and then you try it again and it becomes a habit and it works for you. This guided meditation is free. It's free as a gift from me to you. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com sleep. Type in your email address and you will receive it right away. Having deep, restful sleep is so important right now to help keep your immune system strong and healthy. So put this on pause. Go right now and download that audio. Go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash sleep. Thanks for listening to Mindfulness Mode, everyone, and please know that you're in my thoughts. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview. Hey, Mindful Tribe, have you ever wished you could just be paid to practice your passion day after day, to just be able to tap into that thing you truly love doing in your life? Well, today I have the exact person to help you. And this is going to be such an interesting interview today because I have Natalie Sisson with me today. Hey, Natalie, are you in mindfulness mode? Oh, definitely. Done my yoga this morning and my meditation. That's great. Natalie Sisson is a successful entrepreneur who will teach you how to find success so you can step away from a life of drudgery and overwhelm into a life brimming with success, whatever that means to you. Natalie did exactly that in her own world. She turned her blog into a six-figure money machine, and she traveled the world as a digital nomad. She's so passionate about helping others leverage their skills, and she's just a lovely woman to help you do that. So whatever your skills are, tune in, and you're in exactly the right place for the next 40 minutes or so. So Natalie, what does mindfulness mean to you? It's a really good question. For me, it always means about being very present of not only where I'm at, how I'm feeling, but also where other people are at. So just being present in the moment and observing what's going on around you is really important to me before leaping into it. So I think 
somebody who's always been a bit of a go-getter, I didn't always practice that. I'd say exactly what I wanted that came out of my mouth at the time. I'd jump into any opportunity that was there. I'd do the first thing that came to mind. And these days I've just learned a lot more to just be present initially and not initially all the time really, but just take a breath, take it in and work from there. Now, I imagine you learned some of those strategies by being a digital nomad. You were on the road for, what, over six years. I imagine you'd have to be a very good listener to be in that life and connect with people. Is that true? You'd think so. I think one of my key skills these days is listening. I'm surprised at how many people don't. And I think I also hang out with a lot more friends and peers these days who are very good at it. So when you meet people who just talk or dive in, it's actually really fascinating now to think, oh, was, did I used to be like that? And when you're traveling, for sure, you have to listen because you, you need to know more about the culture. You need to understand the undercurrent in the new places. You need to actually learn uh, all the things that you don't know yet, where you need to be going, where you can get food, how people should be greeted, all the little nuances of that culture and that country. And I just love listening to people. I, I'm really curious about people. I love hearing their stories. So it's easy for me to ask questions like you do. And that's why I love podcasting too. And, and getting to the, yeah, the inner story that every single person has that needs to come out. And you're right. I think you do have to be a really, really good listener. Well, Natalie, you were like so many people. You had a regular job, a regular corporate job. And I want to know about the mindfulness that was involved in jumping out of that that regular job into a life of travel. That must have taken a lot of courage, did it? I think the aspect of what I was going to stay doing if I stayed in that job versus what I could be doing and the opportunities that I could be embracing made it a lot easier to do. For sure, it, it took guts and it was a scary thing, but there was, in my mind, no other decision to be made. So I guess that made it exciting as well as scary. And I'm pretty good once I've made my mind up that I will just put my mind to it. That was how mindful I was. Yeah, for sure. Scary. But I think what was on the other side of it was way more exciting. And where I could have stayed was just not something that I was prepared to do in my life. So the first place you came when you became a digital nomad was Canada. Tell us about your experience. Canada, eh? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, it was so good. I booked a one-way ticket from London, England to Vancouver. I was playing world championship ultimate frisbee there. And so I, I knew literally nobody apart from my team from New Zealand who was going to be there. Um, and I just had this feeling that I don't know why I just thought, well, I've never been to Canada in my life. I've heard good things. I think my dad went through there traveling when he was in his teenage years selling encyclopedias and he had really great things to say about it. And it was just such a neat place to land because in many ways, Canadians are quite similar to Kiwis. They're a little more, I don't know. I just find them very calming. They're very genuine and open. They're also not super showy. They're a little more conservative, very down to earth, really friendly people. And it was a perfect place to land because it felt like almost a little bit like I was coming home back to New Zealand after all those years. It was also a great place for opportunity because there's just lots more people there. I attended every networking event that I could until I found a business partner and we started a tech company. And I'm just forever grateful that because I kept an open mind, and went there and went, I'm going to start my own thing. or I'm going to start a thing and it's not going to be a job. That was all I had in my mind the whole time. And just how many opportunities could I create? It was a really beautiful place to land. And what was the toughest challenge in those early years when you were first traveling? 
Oh, man. Well, initially I was in Canada for two years, but once I decided to take my business on the road through this humble blog that I'd actually managed to monetize with courses and products, um, the toughest thing was just the constant rate of change. Like I'm actually a really big fan of change. I know a lot of people who aren't, but it was constant. It was like, this was before the days of Airbnb and Uber. So when I flew to Buenos Aires thinking that would be my first port of call, it was impossible. Like you couldn't find places to rent. It was really difficult. The language was, I had learned Spanish, but the Spanish that they speak there is entirely different. So I felt really ostracized. Actually, I felt like one, I can't speak to people Two, I can't even find a place to live. Three, the internet wasn't great or it wasn't set up really for digital nomads. There were no co-working spaces around, no cafes with internet. Um, and I think the only thing that saved me over there was just my perpetual like desire to keep trying and make this work because I really wanted it to work. And also the ultimate Frisbee community that I connected with there who welcomed me in and helped me get set up. Otherwise, I thought it actually would have been one of the most difficult things. And from there on, every single leap and change to a new country wasn't any less challenging, but maybe I was better at dealing with it. And I kind of had a bit of a process, but okay, these are the things I need to get settled the minute I arrive here and these things can wait a little bit later and these are good people to connect with. And you just sort of developed ways to cope with the constancy and change. And uh, going back to your blog that you worked at, what was your first course that you sold that the went along with that bl- was, blog? Um, great question. I did a, a physical boot camp in Vancouver. I ran three workshops in a row and they were called social media boot camp for entrepreneurs. So it was all about how to use social media to build your business, which nobody was really teaching at that time. Cause this is back in 2009 and 10 when, you know, Facebook had been around for about four or so years, but people weren't super business savvy on it. Um, Twitter was obviously out. This is before Instagram, YouTube was starting to grow. It was really fascinating. LinkedIn was still pretty new. So it was really navigating how do you use these as business tools. And um, I took that workshop that I ran over two days full time and I went and recorded it over PowerPoints with me talking over the top of it. It took like a whole month, 40 hours of just recording to launch that course so that I could then have it online for people around the world to take. That was the very first course. The very first digital product was my BYOB, Build Your Online Business ebook, um, which is still great to this day. I don't actually sell it on site anymore, but I've kind of used the content and repurposed it into every other thing that I do because it was foundational for how I built my business and all the things that I learned during that time. Well, and one of the things that you do is your untapped podcast, untapped, live up to your potential. You have done so many episodes and you just open up and share so much along with your interviews that you do. It sounds like you really enjoy it. Is that true? Yeah, I love, I mean, I hope you do too. I love podcasting as a medium because you just don't know who's listening on the other side and you feel like you're talking to one person and they're really getting it and you're in their ear and it's like a friendly conversation. But I also just feel like it's a real honor to be able to interview all these awesome people week in, week out and learn from them. Um, And then I love doing solo episodes where I get to share and teach because I consider myself a leading learner. So somebody's always just a couple of steps ahead. And I really like coming from that place of, still being a student as well as being a teacher. I think it's a good position to be in. In the past, I've definitely been more in that expert mode where you learn so much, you feel like you're teaching it all the time. You forget how to be the student and you sometimes forget to meet people where they're at. So I'm really enjoying just kind of getting back to my roots of being part student and part teacher. And I think podcasts are awesome for that. 
Mindful Tribe, I want you to uh, really hear what Natalie is saying. She's telling us so many tips about how to really tap into our own potential. And you can check out her website at nataliesisson.com, N-A-T-A-L-I-E-S-I-S-S-O-N. That's nataliesisson.com. But Natalie, what is the first step nowadays? Because things have changed a lot since 2009 and 2010. How can we get paid to be the person we are and, and for our passions? Mm, I'm so glad you asked. Well, I think it really gets down to being in the perfect podcast for it, mindful about what are the skills that you currently have? What do you enjoy doing? What do you not enjoy doing? Because I think too many people end up doing that. I mean, there's parts of any job or business that you're not always going to love. But if you really just like doing something, I don't think you should be doing it. You should be delegating it or, or building and designing work around what you love doing. Um, and also, what are the experiences you've had in life that make you really unique? Because we're all, people always go, but I'm not unique. And I'm like, yes, you are. Because even if you have the same set of skills or you've learned the same things as somebody else, the way in which you've experienced life and the way in which you've applied those skills and your personality and your volunteer work and all those, you know, times that you've been out with teams or doing anything in life is your unique blueprint on how you turn up. And I just don't think people pay enough attention to that. So if you think back to even when you were in school or university, it's all those extracurricular activities that you did as well that make you who you are. And the things that come naturally to you that you're really good at are the ones that most people overlook because they come naturally to us. So I'm always getting people to say, what do your friends tell you that you're really good at that you kind of dismiss because it's easy for you? Because those are typically the things that you actually need to be teaching and sharing um, in order to get paid to be you. And I'm a firm believer that you can teach the things that you know in your own unique way and that there will be an audience sitting there waiting to receive that because they resonate with you, they appreciate you, they trust you, they like you and they dig who you are. Now, I may appeal to many people, and then there'll be some people who are like, I just don't like Natalie's style, but I really like Bruce's. And, and that's the thing that I think we also overlook is that relationship that we build with people, that rapport, including our unique personality and attributes. We might be funny, we might be controversial, we might be empathetic or compassionate, we might be hard-nosed, we might be bullish, and all of those traits are going to turn some people off and attract others. And that's the thing that you need to tap into to really understand how you can get paid to be you because it's the sum of all of you. Well, you know, you seem to be so grounded and so, I don't know, you just have a very calm way about you. Is there an element of mindfulness that you would attribute that to? I think, um, you know, mindfulness only came to me in terms of an actual phrase or a terminology probably about five or six years ago when I had a client who was a mindfulness coach. And I was like, what exactly is mindfulness? And, and she explained it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm actually doing quite a lot of those things probably without knowing. But it's definitely been a journey. Um, and I would say in the last three to four years, especially the last three that I've been back in New Zealand, um, I've been focusing on it a lot more. You can't help it here because there's so much nature. So I spend a lot of time out in nature every day. I have spent a lot of time with bare feet on the grass, just grounding myself. Um, I'm a huge fan and a dedicated advocate now to yoga. I practiced it on and off and on and off for years. But in the last couple of years, I've been like showing up as often as can. And this year I've been daily and it, I just think it's made a profound difference in everything I do. And um, along with that meditation as a practice that I'm continuing to develop, I still find it quite challenging. But um, I think all those things, as well as reading, 
um, journaling, taking time out have all helped me to be more grounded and present. And also I'm just a, a fairly relaxed Kiwi. So I've got like lots of energy, but I've become much better at relaxing into it and enjoying life, getting out in nature and hikes with my dogs and outdoor activities and sports. So how do your dogs bring mindfulness into your life for you? So glad you asked that. You're the only person who's asked that because dogs are incredible at being present every day, aren't they? Like yes. every single day, they're just right there right now. Oh my gosh, it's exciting to see you. Oh my gosh, I love you so much. Oh my gosh, food. Oh my gosh, bones. Oh my gosh, frisbee. Oh my gosh, you just like I'm going to go for a poo. It's brilliant. They just <laughs> everything to them is so exciting yes. and so it's so in the moment. So I often find, you know, I might even just be at my laptop focused in on some work and they'll just come in and bump their nose in for a cuddle, right? And I'm like, "Oh, yeah." And they just bring you back to they're just right there in the moment. I adore them. I just want to cuddle them all the time. Yeah. And they're just such beautiful, beautiful souls. What kind, really what kind of dogs actually. do you have, Natalie? Um, I have two white German shepherds, which is pretty, uh, they're pretty unique. We didn't even know they existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of a German shepherd, slightly smaller, just beautiful, silky, white, gorgeous, gorgeous dogs. Um, and they're just so chill. And then they're also super happy to be active. They're a really beautiful blend. Oh yeah. I love dogs too. And did you always love dogs? So when you were on your travels, you would probably come across dogs all the time, right? I was the person who patted every single street dog and got out. Hopefully much to my friends, like amusement. Um, so the minute I got back to New Zealand, I was like, right, that's it. It's been, well, been seven years without having a dog in my life and, and doing a lot of dog sitting for friends. So yeah, I've always been a dog fan. We didn't actually have them growing up. We looked after a couple Um, And then I had one the minute I was able to have my own house and get my first job. But so it's really lovely to have them now. There are a lot of, there are a lot of um, work, you know, they are small fur babies in many ways, small children, um, but I just wouldn't have it any other way. We bring so much joy to my life. Well, Natalie, thinking back to your years of travel, what was the scariest thing that ever happened to you and how did you get through it? I've got a really good story actually, because it still stands out so much. Um, I was so lucky. So I was known as the suitcase entrepreneur and I literally did live out of a suitcase and I was in, sorry, I was in Vietnam Mm -hmm. and in the main capital. And I had just come back from a trip up at Moy Ne, which is kind of a beach town. And I'd come off a bus and I was standing in the main square of Ho Chi Minh. And I was like, oh, my hotel's only five minutes away. And I'd left I had two passports. I had a British passport and a New Zealand one, and I'd left a British one there just in case um, because I knew I was coming back to that hotel after four days away. And I had my, I had everything with me for once, which was really odd. I had my laptop bag, but in it I had all my credit cards. Normally I spread them out on myself or keep them hidden. I had um, just every single thing that was important to me. I had my um, backup card as well. I had my laptop, my camera, my phone. And then I had tied the laptop bag loop around my handle of my suitcase. And I was walking along with my phone in my hand, looking at the map of how to get there. It was about 10 o'clock at night and nobody else was around. All the other people was had sort of on the other side of the pathway and they were getting taxis. And I was like, I'm very independent. I've got this. It's only five minutes away. I'll walk. And I felt like stretching my legs. And I was so engrossed in this phone and looking up and kind of figuring out where it was that I didn't even hear the very quick and silent, a little scooter came out of nowhere and grabbed the strap of my laptop bag, like in the dark of night, just grabbed it and pulled it. 
and it, it spun me round. Oh, yeah. And I remember seeing racing off into the distance, not only my laptop, but my entire life. Oh, my because gosh. It was, my suitcase was attached to it. And so I, like, immediately started sprinting, yelling, come back, like, just in complete shock kind of thing, just started racing after yeah. them. But because I had tied it around my suitcase handle, which was quite heavy, they actually dropped the whole <gasps> thing. They did. Um, yeah, they did. They couldn't get it. They could, didn't have a knife or anything to cut it. So they dropped the whole thing. And that was the only time that I put a sweater in my laptop bag because it's pretty hot in Vietnam. Uh-huh. And I put it in there and so it actually protected the laptop. So when it fell from quite a low from the ground, it didn't smash. I mean, there were just so many things that were so fortunate wow. about that. Um, and I really think, it, it one, it happens a lot in Vietnam, so it didn't happen for a reason. But it really made me get back to being present and going, you have been getting too slack in your travels. I've been a little bit too nonchalant. I've been a little bit too not conscious of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and ironically, Bruce, this is a funny thing, is I'd actually been commissioned to write a book on doing business in Vietnam for startups. And one of the things that I'd written about was safety levels. And this particular spot in Ho Chi Minh, which is renowned for pickpocketing and thievery, I had written about that just weeks before. Oh and gosh. here I was right in the heart of it, not even taking my own wisdom. So it was a very good wake up call for me. Um, and I, I do believe that my suitcase saved my life, which was kind of ironic. When I was a suitcase entrepreneur, I thought it was very fitting. Yeah, that was very fitting. <laughs> and what did you implement into your life after that, as a result of that incident mm. to make sure that you didn't lose your laptop or any of your other things? Yeah. I think I took everything out of that bag when I got back to the hotel room and I just started to be much more smart about, so I backed up everything. I backed up my phone. I backed up all the photos. Um, I took everything that was on my laptop and put it in the cloud. Um, and I've made backups of my passports, all documentation that I needed, created a, I think a Dropbox folder, sent that to my family so they had it. And then I think I just started doing things like, is my medical insurance up, up to play? And does my travel insurance, you know, just like got all those things in order. Um, and I created just better systems within it and went back to my good practice again of having, you know, at least some cash on you hidden and one card separated from the other and one passport in one bag and one in the other, just practical stuff. And I think I also decluttered my suitcase because if that's all you're living with all the time. I tend to give stuff away. If I'm going to buy one thing, I need to give something else away. And it probably was a good time to just lighten the load a little bit and clean things out. Right. It's a good time for decluttering. Natalie, your book is called The Freedom Plan. Tell me about the mindfulness it took to actually write that book and get it finished and get it out there. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I'd been kind of living and breathing a lot of it. Um, I had been running a course of the same name for about three or four years, teaching people it. So the book distilled some of the best bits out of that um, and some of the more simpler things because in the course we went more advanced. Um, but for me, I'm, I'm, I, I love setting deadlines that are somewhat bold and audacious because they move me to actually get things done. So I really had to drop into a pretty great writing practice no matter where in the world I was. Um, and I think I wrote that in, in quite a short amount of time, like over a period of months. But essentially, in order to get it done, I had to take myself off to good places, you know, whether it was libraries or even cafes. I'm quite good at writing from cafes and set dedicated times throughout the day to write. And I really had to find my writing rhythm because it's different for each person, right? I mean, a lot of people say, first thing, get up in the morning, write your 500 words, just do it. Um, and I think it's a real practice that you have to master. And I think it's good if you can do it after a meditation or yoga and and just make it that next habit or routine that fills out your morning. But for some people, they love writing in the evening or afternoon or when inspiration strikes, which I wouldn't always recommend because I think it it is a habit that you have to form. And I think mindfulness helps you to be more habitual 
in a way with intention. So you're not just doing it as like, oh, this is what I have to do again. You've got real intention behind it. So thinking always on how is the reader going to benefit from this book? Who do I really want to have read it? How do I show up today and write the best possible insights and knowledge and information for them was essentially how I used to practice my mindfulness and writing. Well, Mindful Tribe, I do recommend the book, the, the Freedom Plan. It's really excellent. And as you talk about habits and you talk about meditation, I'm curious, what does meditation look like for you? Do you do it every day? How long do you meditate? What's it like? I'd love to be. I'm listening to a great audio book right now called The Surrender Experiment. Oh, I love where that. The, that's, yeah, isn't it yes. amazing? Of course you would have read it. And um, oh, it's just, it made me want to meditate every single day and just drop away for hours. But the reality of it is I, I do find that it's a newer practice for me and I really like guided meditations. I've been lit, I use the Insights Timer app on days when I just don't want to just sit and be in my thoughts, although I do think that's one of the best forms of meditation and mindfulness. Um, I really do also appreciate guided meditations to take you a little bit deeper or keep you focused. So I'm mixing it up between them, but ideally I'd like to get to a point where it's just me and my breathing and then clearing my thoughts. And um, and 10, to, 10 minutes to half an hour is kind of my, my sweet spot right now. Um, and then going longer at certain, I, like I just went to a festival on the weekend and did long yoga and long meditations. Um, and I find you can go a lot deeper then, but you also have to work with what you've got. And in these days where we have so many distractions, I think even 15 to 20 minutes um, is, is giving yourself some time to just be with your own mind and peacefulness and quietness. So that's where I'm at right now, but it's definitely, it's on, it's one of the habits along with yoga and journaling um, and intention setting that is, I'm constantly building on. And what do you love most about yoga? Oh my God. Oh, just everything. It makes me feel like a million dollars every time I do it. Um, I love how it just makes me smile and focus in on being very, very present. It's changed my body shape. It's made me so much stronger and more centered. I've got great balance. Um, I honestly think it makes you feel younger and look younger. Um, it's just so healing in so many ways and it brings a lot more compassion into my life. So I can be in like, you know, I could be a little bit stressed out or a little overwhelmed and I can, even in the morning, or you can just wake up and you're not quite in the right space, but you just get to the yoga mat and all is, all is good in this world. So I think it's hugely beneficial and it's got, as you know, science has got so many incredible benefits, but I think you just have to experience it for yourself. And the more you do it, the more you get. Wow. That's beautiful. Natalie, as you think back over your life, I wonder if you have a story for us about bullying, whether you were ever bullied or whether, you know, you experienced a bullying situation in your travels or something like that, where maybe mindfulness would have been. Yeah. Made I mean, I saw that's one of your specialties that you started out. I think, um, Ah, it's an interesting one because for sure I've been bullied. And one of those ones that I can remember pretty distinctly was walking to school when I was around 13 or 14. And I used to walk to school every day because it was up this big hill, but it was quite close to our home. We're quite lucky. And there were these two boys who used to, I don't know why it started, but they used to hang out at the top of the hill and just taunt me. I, I don't know if I was the only person, but I for sure was the target of their taunting. And they just say really hurtful things. They didn't know me from a bar, so they first of all commented on the uniform. So we had a green uniform at school and we like green frog. And it was such an interesting thing because the first time they did it, I was just really shocked. I was like, why are they 
they don't know me from a bar so why would they do this and I just kind of hurried on past and I didn't react to it and then the next day they were there again and I it started to you know you start to take it really personally Mm -hmm. um and it went on for about a week I think and then I started taking a different route to school and I remember the minute I did that, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not actually facing this head on. At the end of the day, they're just young kids. They're probably younger than me. And I can either have a good conversation with them or I can just tell them where to stick it. Either way, I don't think it's something that I need to be avoiding. So I remember walking back to that top of the hill and my heart was like, because every time your heart was in your throat Mm -hmm. beating a ton. And I, I think I remember because I had prepared myself for it and I was breathing even though this is well before my meditation time because I was still pretty young. I think I just remember really breathing in and saying, so I was very calm when I went by because I could have been all angry, but I think I was actually scared. So I was just really calm. And I think I just called them on it and said, you know, there's absolutely no need to do this. You probably should get to know me before you call me names. And I think they were just really surprised. Like nobody had ever probably even responded to them and they were just looking for a response. Right. And I don't think I gave them anything to to be able to come back on. Mm-hmm. There, there was no malice in it. There was no um, shittiness. There was no anger. And they just kind of were like, yeah, they just didn't say anything. And I remember when I came up the next time, I think I might've even smiled at them and they just smiled back. And I was just like, what an amazing, like it, it took weeks. I remember of just being really, really scared as well and just really hurt by it. And then just to kind of like have it go away that simply by acknowledging and talking to them as human beings was a really important lesson for me to learn. But it took guts because it could have gone anyway. Like I thought they might up the anger or up the hate or whatever it was. But they were just kids and human beings as well. Right, and that's a great story. And you used those same guts later on, I'm sure, when you were in your travels and starting businesses and shooting videos and all the different things that you've done. So very impressive when I look at your website and all the different things that you offer for free for people. And I think it's wonderful because you know how to do it and you obviously really want to help others do the same thing. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And it life's just too short to be like tiptoeing around going, oh, I'd love to do that one day. My favorite phrase is one day never comes. So when are we booking that in? Mm-hmm. And whenever I use the frame one day or someday, I really have to catch myself and say, mm, nope. <laughs> Yeah, That's not how we go about living life. It's right now. So true. Yeah, so true. Natalie, as we move on in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, if that's okay. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Probably my partner, Joshua, because he's come from that background and he was the first person to take me through a guided meditation with him. Uh, How has mindfulness affected your emotions? It's a work in progress, but it's made me able to deal with a lot more of my emotions in the moment and help them dissipate so that I can actually see the reality of the situation. Great. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. I just took a big deep breath in there because sometimes I'm a real shallow breather. Uh, Again, I think it just really helps in situations where I could be reactive, but I take a couple of good deep breaths in. And I often do deep belly breaths every day, five to 10 of them. It just absolutely changes your state. So it's a really valuable and easy to use tool. My next question is whether you recommend a book related to mindfulness. And of course, your book is The Freedom Plan. And you already mentioned The Surrender Experiment. Maybe that's the book you want to suggest. Or is there another one? I think that one is actually probably one of my favorites right now. Um, And... 
yeah, I'm going to go with that one because it's, it, I think it really helps you appreciate just what meditation can do and how surrendering to things that come up and not trying to control everything all the time can actually change your life. Right. And uh, the last question is about an app and you already mentioned Insight Timer mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. yeah so yeah. I do love Insight Timer. And I think when I started out, I loved Headspace, oh, yeah. which is another great app with Andy, the British, lovely British voice. I think for just talking you through coming back to your breath, coming back to the moment. I think it's an excellent one for beginner meditators. Yeah. So Natalie, your website again is nataliesisson.com. And I know that you have pretty good social media presence and you're on YouTube, you're on Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn, all under your name, Natalie Sisson, N-A-T-A-L-I-E-S-I-S-S-O-N. Do you have any parting words for us? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to actually offer up a beautiful guide for free for your listeners, if that's okay, at nataliesisson.com forward slash mindfulness. So it'll be there for them. And it's a, it's a guide on how to untap your potential and get paid to be you. It's an audio guide and an ebook. Um, and I'd love it if listeners have felt like this has resonated with them and they want to understand how they can show up in this world with all their unique advantages and actually, you know, do meaningful work and get paid for it. But my parting words would probably be that one from my favorite quote of all times is Yoda. Do or do not, there is no try. I'm just a, when it comes to meditation, when it comes to mindfulness, when it comes to yoga, when it comes to doing something big and bold and audacious in your life, it's a, it's a little mantra that comes up in my mind whenever I'm shying away from it. Just the do or do not. And uh, I just I kind of live by that philosophy. So if it helps other people and they Yoda fans, there you go. I love that philosophy too. And your nine step audio, that is that a free audio that you're providing? Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's completely free. That's yeah. Beautiful. So it's an audio book to sort of talk you through how you can tap into your potential and get paid to be you. And then there's a workbook to help you work through it. Awesome. Thank you. And that's at nataliesisson.com slash mindfulness. So Natalie, yes. thank you so much for being a guest on Mindfulness Mode. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. My pleasure. Bye now. Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening today. So grateful to have you with me. And just know, like I said at the top of the show, that I am thinking about you. My thoughts are with you. If you're having any trouble sleeping at all, or you know anyone who does have trouble, download that guided meditation that I mentioned at the top of the show. Go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash sleep. So take care. Do the best you can to practice social distancing and I'll connect with you next time. All the best. Bye now.